Welcome to The Trail Less Traveled, an adventure series dedicated to taking you back to mankind's earliest form of entertainment, storytelling. Missoula, Montana is a mecca for outdoor enthusiasts, and each week we will bring you tales of outdoor adventures both near and far, as well as adventure information and inspiration and a few tunes to set the mood. You can read more about the show online at traillesstravel.net. And now here's your host, Grand Canyon Whitewater Guide, yoga instructor, and master of the didgeridoo, Mandela. You're listening to The Trail Less Traveled, and today we're recording in Teanu. Teanu is on New Zealand's South Island. It's on the border of Fjordland, so if I look out the window, I can see into Fjordland where it at least begins, and then about 123 kilometers away is uh, Milford Sound. The Milford Sound is the most northern fjord in Fjordland, by far the most dramatic. During the high season, we get about 6,000 tourists through here per day, and Teanu is the last big city, I suppose you'd call it, that you go through, but Teano itself is closer to a hamlet or a village than a big city. And I'm here on my days off from kayaking. I've been guiding 10 days on, four days off, and for my four days off, I decided to come to Teano and catch a movie at the cinema, and I met a phenomenal adventurer this morning in the cafe, and he has some time to sit down with me and record an interview. His name is Evan Campbell, and he is a South Islander who loves the summer. So for many, many years, he's been going back and forth chasing the summer from the UK to New Zealand and around Europe. He's a history buff and he's very passionate about many things. He's a storyteller. Well, first of all, Evan, thank you so much for making the time and your energy to join me here today on the Trail Less Traveled. It's a real pleasure. It's a real pleasure. I love the South Island with a huge passion. I love New Zealand with a huge passion. The North Island's got some really nice places. The South Island just beats it, just beats it, hands down, really. I was born in Balclutha, which is on the Clutha River, one of the mighty rivers that flow down from the Southern Alps and hit the sea. In this case, it's south of Dunedin, which is our second biggest city in the South Island. And I was there till I was eight years old. My father was an older man. His first wife died after three children. The child lived, the last child. Mum died after eight days with blood poisoning. Two years later about, Dad was just under 40 and my mother was just 20 and they married and I'm the last of that union. Alf Campbell, Grace Hamilton and my name's Evan Campbell as Mandela said. From Balclutha after Dad died he was a fantastic person, very forward-thinking person. I was born on his 60th birthday. I'm 70 now, which is just a youngster, and I feel pretty young. Being born on my father's 60th birthday didn't seem a problem at all because he was always felt like a young man. Mum was younger, obviously 20 years younger. It happened more in those days because my father was born in 1887, that's my father, was born in 1887. It's a long time ago. He did heaps of things in his life. When he died, I was eight, and we moved to North Otago, to Hamden, a little township. It had the sea on one side of it, a couple of little, little rivers that had trout in them and eel, and it had 
pigs and deer up on the hills. It was the most fantastic place for an eight-year-old to 17-year-old when I left there to grow up in. Absolutely fantastic. My mother was a good storyteller. She told stories about their early life. Dad had been a sawmiller. Him and his partner had five sawmills. They had traction engines. We're talking down on the Catlins, where I've got I've got two grandparents and a lot of other relations in the cemetery down at Owaka. Wonderful place, the Catlins. Really wonderful. Elephant seals, yellow-eyed penguins, bush to die for, east coast bush. We're in Tiana right now, and of course the bush up here is wonderful. It's west coast bush, it's different, but it's still wonderful. At Hamden, where I went when I was eight, the most magical place that had frost fish on the beach in the winter time. You had to be out early to get them. These are six foot long, huge things that come up from the depths of the ocean, and they float in because they can't go back down on moonlit nights. They float in, you pick them up before the seagulls get them, and they're the most beautiful fish. They're sort of half dead when you pick them up because they sort of float in on the tide, and you pick them up as you race along the beach to beat the other people picking them up. Just down the road was Meraki, a Maori settlement. I had very good friends. John Tipper was a very good friend of mine. Another good friend of mine, Archie Fraser. Colin was his real name, but we always knew him as Archie. I'm not sure why. But we speared trout in the creek, eels. We were up in the hills with the pigs. And we only had a knife and a dog in those days. I wasn't that good, but my mate was very, very good. Later on, rifles. Captain Cook had dropped those pigs off in the South Island in the 1700s. And there were just heaps and heaps of them. A wonderful place to grow up. The sea, the hills, sunshine. A sister that was older than I to keep me sort of slightly under control and to teach me to dance in the local hall. I was born in 1947, as I said, on my father's 60th birthday. I'm not sure if that was a good present or not. I think he thought it was. I certainly enjoyed it. On my 10th birthday, my mother bought me a ukulele. I bought a guitar from Paper Run Money about six months later and the Hamden Hall rang to really old songs now My Old Man's in All Black Buddy Holly I was playing Buddy Holly's songs when he was still alive I love it I was never very good but I just loved music and I still love it Ah, I just I wake up to music in the morning and I still sing I still play the guitar badly sing slightly better but my guitar playing is rubbish but it doesn't matter I still do it and I love it. Life was pretty good. Finished school, didn't do anything at school, didn't really enjoy school that much especially the last two years although I played soccer in the first 11, played rugby for Mahino which is near Hamden in North Otago just down from Omaru until I was about 15 or so and then played soccer for Omaru Rangers, played for the school Left school the day after school cert the second time. You had to get over 200 marks in school cert. I think the second time I did it, I got 195. Didn't matter. Six weeks at the freezing works, just north of Omaru. Bought myself a 36 V8 coupe, put a couple of clothes in, and put my guitar on the back, and headed south. Interestingly, I still remember uh, the words my mother said when I left. She said, Evan... I don't think that you've loved with a with a girl yet. Don't push yourself in a hurry because once you start, you'll never stop. It's the most wonderful thing in the world. 
both my father and my mother knew a lot about living, a lot about life. And I've loved women ever since. I think my first girlfriend was three and a half. Oh, we did have quite a lot of fun under the spare bedroom bed in Balclutha. She left when I was five, probably luckily. And when I moved to North Otago, there were a series of girlfriends. Uh, they were all beautiful. Uh, it was a beautiful time. And I didn't start loving till later and made sure that I was pretty careful so the young ladies didn't get into any trouble. I've loved ladies all my life and still do. I've got a fine one sitting beside me right now. She's looking pretty good too. Anyway, uh, 36 V8 coupe, guitar, few clothes, wee bit of money, headed south. Ended up in northern Southland. That's not too far down the road, Mossburn from Tiarnau, Milford. In two and a half years, I had 32 jobs. One of them was 13 months long. That was in Dunedin. The other ones were just contracting. I worked for a hay contractor. I did a bit of contracting myself. I worked for a fencing contractor. Later on, did a bit of fencing for myself. On the way down to Tiarnau today, Roxy and I called in on one of the sheep yards that a very good mentor of mine, Cyril Boyle, and I built. Cyril was the man. He was just a little man. He left school at 13. He had done a baker, pastry cook, and cake icer apprenticeship until he was 16. And then he did a joinery apprenticeship until he was 19. He went in the Second World War across to the islands and worked on a big float unit, a big diesel unit, helping keep all the water and sewerage and things for our guys, New Zealanders, across in the islands. And he did a diesel apprenticeship while he was there. He was fencing down in Mossburn, and I learned a lot from Cyril Boyle, top man. Ended up North Otago again, loved travelling, did some work up there in uh, Avanison Works, that was probably one of the last jobs. At that stage, I had a Thunderbird motorbike, a uh, Mark I Zephyr convertible, and I don't know if I was the magnet, but certainly the motorbike and the convertible Zephyr in those days was a pretty much a magnet. Headed south again, and I guess I stayed there for quite a long time. Gore was wonderful. Met a fantastic young lady, very dark hair, very, very good-looking. Uh, we married. I was working in a refrigeration store selling things. I've always been a salesman. I think if you're a storyteller, you're still a salesman because you've got to sell things. We had three wonderful children. One of them lives in Tiar now. In fact, I'm sitting in Tiwaka Lodge. My daughter and son-in-law's unit in Tiar now, Roscoe, my son-in-law has had for many years Milford Sound kayaks and he's a giant of a man. My daughter's an Amazon. They are pretty damn fine together. I've got two boys. One of them's played touch for Japan. He's played rugby for Northern Southland. He's played soccer for Southland. He's coached touch in lots of places around the world, coached and played while I was overseas because I love travel. While I was overseas, I caught him in Edinburgh playing touch for Japan at the World Touch Championships in Edinburgh. Yeah, that was pretty exciting. Younger sons in Christchurch at one of my houses. I've got a couple of houses there that I built myself. Just finished the last one after the Christchurch earthquakes. I didn't build as much of this. I did about a fifth of it. But I did all my demolition. 
I guess I'm reasonably green because I saved all the doors and the timber and yeah, I've built another couple of things on the section with the pieces I've saved. Anyway, get back to the story. I guess that I was about uh, 27. We'd married pretty early and my wife, as I said, was absolutely beautiful. One of the best hairdressers in New Zealand in her day. Won a couple of big competitions, came third in the New Zealand competition. We grew apart a little, but I ended up bringing the children up because Marg wasn't well for some years. Yeah, that was a real experience, probably one of the greatest experiences of my life. The children were three, five and eight and I took over completely. I'd done a fair bit of work with them as well as work full time before that. But in those days, you didn't have solo dads that worked full time. I worked on contract for a radio station by that stage in Christchurch. I'd started off in Radio Southland, 4ZA Southland, in the Gore office. I opened the Gore office and was the first contract salesperson for Radio New Zealand ever. That was 1978. The whole family shifted up three and a half years later to Christchurch and as I said Marg wasn't too good she was pretty unwell at that stage and she left and I brought the children up well they're great Marg came back a couple of years later back to New Zealand because she was overseas Uh, she came back she was well and she opened a hairdressing salon in Tiana here Maggie's place fantastic hairdresser she's still here and now her and her partner make the best pies in the South Island of New Zealand. I haven't had many pies in the North Island, but I always guarantee that they'd be the best pies in New Zealand, because I haven't been seeing the ones up there. From Christchurch, I was lucky enough, I was working for 3ZB in Christchurch, which was the main radio station there. It was a talk station, which was a bit of a pain in the ass, because in talk stations you don't have that much music. But that's okay, we had ZM upstairs. And being on contract, I loved selling, I had some wonderful clients, and even though I worked pretty much full time, I didn't have anybody in the house to look after the kids for the first two or three years. I started at eight and finished at three in the afternoon, back home for the kids to be home for them, uh, cook tea, and start building the first house that I built in Christchurch. I built four since then. With my work, I was able to take clients overseas. I only ever got a chance to have one holiday a year. It was sort of a competition among us eight or ten salespeople on the radio station. I very seldom came first in any particular month. I think there was only one month. But I was very seldom less than third, and I was making pretty good money. I had to. The kids cost me a bloody fortune. Bit of babysitting, taking them everywhere. They all played soccer at various times. Anyway, I travelled once each year with clients overseas. Went right round Southeast Asia, went round the Pacific Islands. Later on, when they're getting a bit older, I've had three long-term partnerships. And I travelled with all those ladies, wonderful ladies. I'm still friends with them too, which is really nice because they were special people. They never lived with me. We lived apart because I had three children, and I think that's pretty important to do, really. But these are great people. I love them all, as I love all women. Oh, I like men too, but I just don't fancy them.
You're listening to The Trail Less Traveled, the community's source for adventure information and inspiration. And the trail leads today to Te Anu, which is on New Zealand's South Island's west coast. Te Anu would be the town that you would drive through on your way to the Milford Sound. And today we're speaking with Evan Campbell. Evan Campbell is a South Islander who enjoys camping and music. And when we come back, we're going to talk about one of his greatest passions, which is history. Evan travels back and forth, chasing summer between the UK and New Zealand. And I'd like to know about living in the camper and some of the history that you've uncovered, particularly in Europe and the UK. But now, Evan, it's time for a song. So can you share a song with us that reminds you of your early childhood adventures? Yeah, I can share a song. I told you early on I was in a hay gang down here, and I write songs. And the song I can think of is... A thing called the Hay Song. You're only going to get one verse because, God, I've never been that great a singer. But it starts off with a whistle. (whistles) Thumb down from Wellington, looking for a job. I ended up in Mossburn with only two bob. Then in the pub... On one wet day, a guy said it'd give me a job on the hay. Well, it's hay, hay, bloody good pay. Up every morning at the break of day, you're tired in the evening when you hit the sack. You wake up in the morning and you start writing back. The original song had 12 verses. They were all not for radio play. I cut it down to three verses with a bit of whistling in the middle and they were sort of acceptable. Yeah, I've always loved music and played music. Ah, Buddy Holly, he was still alive. What a great act. Every day it's getting closer. I can't sing it now. I haven't got my guitar here either. But hey, put it on. Buddy Holly. This podcast is brought to you by Karuna Clothing. Karuna Clothing is handcrafted from natural fabrics, which soften as they age. Currently with design workshops in Missoula, Montana, and Mendocino County, California. All of their clothing is sewn and dyed in the United States. Karuna Clothing is sewn with love and laughter, and designed simply with the use of the best fabrics. They create their own unique colors, creating small batch product lines, which are simply beautiful. Karuna clothing is the first thing I toss into my suitcase when recording on location for the trail less traveled. You can find out more by visiting karunaclothing.com. That's K-A-R-U-N-A clothing.com. Back to Mandela and the trail less traveled. We are recording the trail less traveled today in Teanu, which is a small town on the way to Milford Sound. Milford Sound is the most northern fjord in Fjordland National Park. We are on New Zealand's South Island's west coast, and we're speaking with Evan Campbell, who is a South Islander. He's very passionate about history, and he's traveled around the world in a lot of camper vans, particularly chasing summertime. He spent a lot of time in the UK and Europe. He loves history as well. So Evan, on that note, I'd like to talk to you about the history of this area, 
Tell us about Tianu. I guess it was 1952 or 53 when I first came up here. We lived in Balclutha. At that stage, we had a silver citron, which Dad and Mum and my older sister, Alison and I, travelled in, and we came up to Tianau. The road, the last 80 miles into Tianau, was gravel. It was no problem, because we had gravel in at least half the roads in New Zealand at that stage. Tianau was one street right across the lake, one set of sections back from the lake, and then it was just manuka, scrubby stuff, right back as far as you could see. There was a tourist hotel, Radford store, and Wilson was building a house. There were a few cribs on the waterfront, and that was it. I mentioned my half-brother, Wilson, Wilson Campbell. My father's first wife died. Wilson was the second child of three, in the first marriage then. When Dad's first wife died, he married my mother, and I'm the youngest. Wilson was a wonderful mentor to me. He started when he was 16. Dad bought him a truck. He went to Gore from Balclutha and started a fruit mart. It's still there, I believe. The name's still the same, Cockerell and Campbell. He ended up being asked to stand for the mayor of Gore about 58. At that stage, my father had died and we had moved to Hamden, but we still travelled down this way a lot. Wilson was Mayor of Gore for one term, I think it was three years then, and he came to Fiordland, where just before the war, 39, 40, 42, him and his friend and his later partner bought an old boat on Tiana and they'd started a little tourist business. Wilson went away to the war and flew planes against the Japanese, was mayor of Gore, one term and then came up to Tiana. He built a house on the front, some units on the back later and ran Fiordland Travel which later was sold and became real journeys. They went into hotels. He had Campbell Auto Lodge on the front, but he was a wonderful man. He thought way ahead of a lot of other people here. When there was problems with the government wanting to dam Manapuri, Tianau, raise the lakes, there was a huge outcry right through New Zealand. I remember those. I went to some of the meetings where Wilson spoke. The lakes were held at a sensible level, and he became one of the guardians of lakes, one of the early first guardians of the lakes. He was a great mentor to me. I've been lucky because I've had lots of mentors over the years. And I came to work around the areas I've mentioned before. I was encouraged to go into radio. I ended up in Gore and opened the radio office there, ran rock festivals down there. I was never great at singing or playing, but there were some wonderful musicians in Southland, Invercargill and Gore, and so I ran a couple of rock festivals. Marvellous stuff, 71, 72. I got into the radio at 78, had three or four years in the radio, and then we all moved to Christchurch. I brought the kids up in Christchurch myself, as I've mentioned, and started really travelling overseas. First it was Asia, then it was the Pacific Island, either with clients or or myself and one of my three long-term partners. And then the children all grew up. 
I thought this is the time to carry on. I had a brilliant job in radio advertising, first with 3ZB in Christchurch, the biggest station in the South Island, one of the biggest in New Zealand, and then with Radio Avon, which was really interesting because went into a rock station, which was more my music. More travelling with clients. I was really lucky. Near the end of my working life, I auditioned for a part in Lord of the Rings, and I was in the second and third Lord of the Rings film. Yep, it's my face. I didn't have a orc's mask on, and it was my voice that they used just for a few magic words. The words? Hail Théoden, King. So, a strange bit of immortality. I decided on set that I would retire and at 54 I stopped working for the radio. I'd built four houses by that stage and I still had five houses and I still had two left. I sold the other ones. The kids were all away or close to it doing their own thing and I decided that I'd start off in Europe and the UK. My oldest son was teaching in the UK at that stage, and on the end of May 1954, I arrived in the UK. I'd been three times before and around parts of Europe, but this time I was able to work over there. I got a visa with grandparent status. I had three Scottish and one Irish grandparents, wonderful people, so I could work. I arrived in the UK on Friday the 18th of May, by Tuesday, the 21st of May, I had a job. I got this carer job. Foot and mouth was on because I was going to do tour guiding because I'd done a lot of that with my clients around Asia and the Pacific and Australia. But foot and mouth was on in the UK and there was just no tourists coming. It was a terrible time. And I went in for 10 days with a guy called Barry Beavis. Now, Barry's in a wheelchair. He still worked. I was the one which retired. And I went in to help him at his house near Hamel Hampstead, a little village called Bovingdon. Now, Barry only had head movement. He'd got multiple sclerosis when he was 31. He was 53 at the time, a year younger than me. He was still working for Lloyd's of London, the big insurance company. He had a care at work. He had a carer at home, 30 miles into London each day with a uh, taxi, and he was a good man. The next two years, I worked two lots of three months with Barry at his house in Bovingdon, and I was with him right at the start for four days, and he said, Evan, he said, I'm a carer here, can't take me on holiday, would you be interested? This was the end of May. I said, I'm on. When? Oh, June, early June. I said, great, yeah, I'm definitely on. Because it was him and his son. His son was 13-year-olds at the time. I said, uh, right, that's good. Yeah. Well, where are we going? Mallorca. Mallorca. Let's go. So Barry and I became very good friends. And after the two years of doing two lots of three months with him, I just went over to the UK. And I'd spend two months with him, a week before we went on holiday, a fortnight on holiday and then a week afterwards back at his place doing the washing, cleaning up the place because the carers that he got were really good, but they weren't as good as me. I was the best. I'd brought my kids up and you had a cook. Loved it. There was a lady in the village that didn't seem to mind me being back in New Zealand for six months and she was lovely. 
No worries. So for the next 10 years, I travelled all over Europe, taking Barry on holiday. We were in France. Brother had a place in France. I'd go to somewhere like Marmaris in Turkey the year before, and I'd think, yeah, this is great. It's got a kilometre of flat marble walkway right by the beach into the town. This would be fantastic for Barry. So the next year I took Barry to Marmaris in Turkey. We went to Mallorca, we went to the Canaries, we went all over the place. We loved Spain because the hot weather helped him. So I'd go back to New Zealand for the summer and then I'd be in the UK for summer. In the meantime, of course, I had my own camper vans. Three of them all told over there. I had my push bike that I'd ride while he was away at work. During work days, I'd go 20 miles one way and 20 miles back. Loved every second of it. Bought a car after a little time, plus the camper van, and went all the way around through Europe, down the old east zone. Loved it. Ended up on the coast of the Mediterranean did trips right round Athens, Istanbul, and a cruise ship, only the one because there wasn't enough time in the places. But I went everywhere and I loved it. Mandela said about history, I love history. Bovingdon was a little outpost, horse riding one day north of London, and Henry VIII used to go to King's Langley, which was one day's horse ride north of London. Just up the hill from King's Langley was Bovingdon, and Bovingdon was Henry VIII's hunting lodge in the early days, because it was was really, really wild times, plenty of pigs and deer and all that sort of thing up there. It was a fantastic place for me to stay, and that's where I made my base there. I'd come home, The kids would love me being home. They were stopping in the houses and they were also travelling all over Europe. It was just a wonderful time. And the history, I had a Scottish ancestry, so I was up in Scotland a lot. I'd go to somewhere like Shetland, you'd turn a stone over and a violinist would jump up and play for you. The history was unbelievable. The music was unbelievable. I'd go to rock festivals, I'd go to folk festivals. Kings Langley had Langley Hill. Some of you, particularly if you're English, remember your nursery rhymes. Grand Ive Duke of York, right, he had 10,000 men, marched them up to the top of the hill and he marched them down again. That was the hill that I rode up on my bike and it was bloody hard work, but I was as fit as a trout and the bike was a good bike. The history in that area, St Albans was just down the road. St Albans was Verulanium, the third biggest Roman village in England and there's still quite a bit there of it. Life, a magic, magic time. I didn't ski that much. By that stage, I was getting a bit old to ski hard. So I'd come home, it'd be summer. I'd be over there, it'd be summer. The eternal summer man. And it was just great. You're on the trail less traveled. And the trail less traveled is being recorded today in Tianu. Tianu is a small town on New Zealand's South Island. It's the town that you would pass through on your way to the Milford Sound. So we are right on the edge of Fjordland National Park. And my guest today is Evan Campbell. And Evan is passionate about history, chasing summer, living in camper vans, and living life to its fullest. He starred in two of the Lord of the Rings films, so we're going to talk to him a little bit more about that when we come back, and maybe about the history of Aotearoa, New Zealand. But coming back to Te Anu, 
and the history of this place. You're speaking about one of your mentors, Wilson, who eventually created Real Journeys. Many people who travel to New Zealand, they might be going on a Real Journeys bus or tour. You have a poem that you read during his funeral. Could you share that with us, please? Today I heard that Wilson died, my half-brother, friend and mentor. Last Sunday I was by his side down at the hospital centre. The second stroke took him away. He had been ailing for a while since Werner went. Life seemed to say, you need a rest. You've lived in style. When he was young, he flew the planes against the Japanese. He came home and made some gains. As mayor of Gore, he tried to please. But Fjordland called, as it always does. So his friends and he bought a boat. With Lawson and Robbie, his mate and cousin, they tried to stay afloat. The caves were found and developed. The jet boats down the Waiau, the Tawara and the Jimmy Mac, took tourists to the Milford Track. Barry, Gavin and Vaughan were there, building, flying and fixing gear. With Werner in behind and saying, I want some motels, so stop your playing. Life was tough but also good with the ups and downs of the neighbourhood. The lakes were saved, the motels built, the boats were sold, but they had a tilt at the big stuff with the hotel chain. And I guess that chance won't come again like the railway up the mountainside and the gardens to be Tiano's pride. And you have lost a father and I've lost a brother. And two years ago, like lies a mother, a nan, a granddad and a friend. But what did they give us in the end? They gave us the right to stand up tall, to love and laugh and be humble. They gave us the right to fight and win because our name is Campbell. It's The Trail Has Travelled with Mandela. The trail us traveled today leads to New Zealand's South Island. We are in Tianu, next to the biggest freshwater lake in the Southern Hemisphere from volume. And that lake separates us from Fjordland National Park. The view is indescribable here. And today my guest, Evan Campbell, spent a lot of his life in this area of the world and he chases summer now, going back and forth between Europe, the UK and New Zealand. Evan worked in radio. And he also was in two of the Lord of the Rings films. And he kind of skimmed over that and gave us his one line from the movie. But I'd love to just talk to you about working on the film and what it was like. Where I worked was one of the most magnificent places that you'd ever see for a film set. Peter Jackson said it was the best location that he had ever worked on, the most beautiful place Okay, 4.30 in the morning, boarded a bus in Christchurch, headed inland across the Canterbury Plain, into the foothills, past Methven, Mount Summers, Lake Clearwater, across this ridge, the light was just coming up. It had been a rough night. We headed down towards Erewhon Station. Erewhon Station is known for being nowhere backwards. A great book was written about that way, way back. And it's the most magical place, right under the Southern Alps, on the Rangitata River. The snow the night before had left a capping right across the Southern Alps, and we were right underneath there. We were on Mount Potts Station, and there was this glacial rock in the middle of the Rangitata River 
that became the most fantastic setting for the horse lords. King Théoden, they'd built the huge castle of Medusel up on the hill. Sloping down from it were the various stables, the houses, the most fantastic setting, two, three hundred feet above the bottom of the Rangitata River. There was three weeks filming there. Out of the ten that was filmed, I did seven of them and loved every second of it. When I was there, I decided I'd retire, which I did at 54. When you're looking at Lord of the Rings, I don't think the people of New Zealand at the time realised exactly what that was going to do for our country. Now, we've had a dip just lately in the price of milk solids for the dairying industry, and tourism is number one. I knew that Lord of the Rings, with Peter Jackson, because I loved his earlier films, was going to be the biggest free, and I say free, we paid a few extra taxes to get the film done in New Zealand and to get Peter to do it, but that was the best free advertising that New Zealand has ever had. I went to England shortly after the filming, which was in 2000. Lord of the Rings was written by J.R.R. Tolkien. It was a wonderful story for his kids. It started off that way and became the base for fantasy stories for years and years and years. If you're an American, you have fraternity rings at university that came out of Lord of the Rings. There were no fraternity rings before Lord of the Rings. It was about seven, eight, ten thousand years ago in the UK. New Zealand was the only place in the world you could have ever filmed Lord of the Rings because our countryside, the Alps, Hobbiton up at Matamata, what he did in Wellington, what he did down here in Fiordland, what he did at Twizel with the huge scenes with the overhead cabled cameras and the 350 horses, the battle scenes, the expert work from the Dedan company that made the battle scenes. Instead of having 350 people on horses, there were 3,500 on horses. Fighting men, all fighting differently. Everything was done in New Zealand. New Zealand was always the wonderful place, but Lord of the Rings helped with the impetus to make tourism the number one money earner for New Zealand now. And everybody wants to come to New Zealand. Some of them can't afford it, and some of them we won't let in, but everybody wants to come to New Zealand. I knew this was going to happen. I was in the UK when the first film came out. I was in the second and third films. It was unbelievable, and I would very quietly mention to the few people that knew me that I'd been in, and they'd look at me strangely and say, you were actually in the films. I was in Germany and I was looking through a ex-Soviet U-boat and my friend said, oh, Lord of the Rings, the young student guide that was taking us through this interesting nuclear submarine. Dagmar, my friend, said, oh, Evan was in the film. This guy just about fell on his knees. He got photographs with me. I've never been a hero, but I felt like it that day. 
everywhere in the world. I was in Spain, the same thing happened. I went into a shop that had swords and things, and uh, the genuine Lord of the Rings sword was there, Frodo's sword. Actually, it was made in China, but I didn't tell the lady that it had a wee made in China on it. But it was a great replica. Lord of the Rings was huge, huge, huge for New Zealand. People understand it now. New Zealanders understand it now. They didn't have any idea at the time. Some of them even grumbled that the government was giving a bit of a tax free for that sort of thing. It was a fantastic film. It made me look at my life, which was fantastic, retire and it become even more fantastic over in the UK and Europe. You're on the trail less traveled today featuring Evan Campbell. We're recording in New Zealand's South Island in Tianu, and Evan is very passionate about history and travel, camping, and he also starred in two of the Lord of the Rings films. So the people listening are probably wondering how to find you in the movie. Where do you come in in the second movie? Well, you'd have to be very, very quick on the pause button because my three words come about a second and a half before I'm seen and I've got about three quarters of a second looking up at the king. I'm kneeling down with my hand over my heart. It was really funny taking the shots. Peter was there on the day. It was the first day of filming that I was on. They tried filming with some of the older extras. We were just extras, nothing special, and I was one of the younger ones. I have white hair at that stage, and I've still got white hair. You could call it blonde, but it's actually grey white. And they tried it with some of the older men, Hailthead and King, didn't come out. They took two lots of six takes, wasn't working. It just wasn't working. Right, we'll have a break, said Peter over the comms. I walked up to the voice coach, who was also Gandalf's stand-in at times, about six foot four, beautiful head of hair, fantastic English-speaking voice, the voice coach. And I said, I can do that. He said, show me. Hail Thowden King! Good God, he said. Where are we standing? And I said, I'm right in the shot. He said, you've done this before. I said, well, I've done a wee bit of television and that sort of thing. He said, right. He called through to Peter, and Peter said, right. I was standing right in front of the king and Aragorn and all the rest as they walked down the steps. We were standing there. Grimmer Wormtongue had been thrown down the steps. He took off on the horse down through the bottom gate. You hear in the background my voice, surprisingly. It wasn't re-recorded. 98% of the stuff is re-recorded in the studio. And you hear it in the background. Hawthaud and King. And then this very quick shot of all the villagers kneeling down. I'm the only one looking up with my hand over my heart. Did that shot. Good, good, said Peter Jackson through the comms. We'll do one more. Tell him to take his hand away from his heart. We did one more. Perfect, he said. That's it. Wrap. And that was it. My immortality. (laughs) The films are fantastic. I retired, and I'm just living the life of Riley. Camper vanning, meeting great people like Mandela, great people in Fjordland here, great people throughout New Zealand, North Island, South Island, I love it all. I've got two camper vans now that I sort of take around, and then I've got one funny little camper van in Europe. I'm still doing it. I'm still playing in pub, open mic nights, playing badly, but still loving it, reading a bit of poetry, and it's just fantastic. Thank you. 
You have been on the trail less traveled tonight, recorded in New Zealand with Evan Campbell. Evan, thank you so much for your time and your energy to meet me here on the trail less traveled on the border of Fiordland National Park to share your stories. I love our country. It's just got to be good for you. Evan, let's end this program with three bits of advice that you'd like to share with the listener. Three bits of advice. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're at in your life, and I don't care if you've got money, if you're hard up or anything, we all have choices. Some of them are pretty bloody hard, but we all have choices. If you believe hard enough, you can make the choice you want and do it. That's the first one. The second one is be kind and very careful to the lovely women in your lives. The sad thing about New Zealand is there's far too much violence. Children, women and men. Be fair to everybody. Love everybody. Give everybody a big hug. That'll do us. Evan, what song would you like to end the show with? Look, I've got so many songs, and I don't know if I can think of one, but one that I like very much and still do is Bob Seger's Main Street. Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band album, and I think it's on the second side, and that second side wasn't actually played with the Silver Bullet Band. It was done down in Memphis somewhere, and it's just got the most fabulous guitar work, great singing from Bob Seger and we've all got main streets we've all lived on the main streets or traveled down the main streets anywhere in the world that we go there's always a high street a main street a whatever great song Kiora Mandela here your host of the trail less traveled an adventure series dedicated to collecting sound effects and interviews from the most remote locations around the world. You can subscribe to the free iTunes podcast and visit traillesstraveled.net to see pictures, archive previous episodes, and contact me. I would like to thank my guest for this week, Evan Campbell. Evan is a native South Islander and single father who has been chasing summer and living in camper vans all over the world for most of his life. Evan starred in the second and third Lord of the Rings films and loves sharing his beloved country of New Zealand with anyone and everyone. My name is Mandela, your host of The Trail Less Traveled, and my goal for this show is to take you, the listener, back to mankind's earliest form of entertainment storytelling. Therefore, every week I will be interviewing an adventurer about what they do, how they do it, and how you can start adventuring in a similar fashion. The Trail Less Traveled is recorded at the Missoula Broadcasting Company, nestled in the mountains of Missoula, Montana, or on location around the world in order for me to find these adventurers and connect with them in their natural environment. Tonight's episode was recorded on the edge of Fjordland National Park, next to the largest freshwater lake in the Southern Hemisphere, a small town called Teanu, on New Zealand's South Island's west coast. It's the trail less traveled, the community's source for adventure information and inspiration, Sunday nights at 6 and Tuesday nights at 10. 
on the Trail 1033. My adventure tip this week is a little bit silly, I suppose, but I reckon if you are traveling with expensive camera equipment or a computer, like I do when I'm recording this show internationally, consider investing in a Pelican case. You can get them cheap on Amazon, and from my experiences, recording in the field on the west coast of New Zealand, one of the places on the planet with the most rainfall. A solid Pelican case has done a good job of keeping my gear dry. Well, that's it for this week, my friends around the world. But until next week's adventure, please get outside and shred the gnar. Because as you know, the gnar doesn't shred itself.